Welcome to the Spirited Advocate podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Wonger. Hi, Spirited Advocate podcast uh, viewers and listeners. Thank you for being with us again. Hey, we've got a primetime VIP on our hands today. I, I may be a little nervous, as a matter of fact, but no, I'm, I'm teasing, of course. But we have the president of Diageo North America, and just Deborah's one of my bosses, Deborah Crew. Uh, she's been with the business for about a year, but Deborah has a, a great, great uh, career uh, working with a lot of different consumer brand businesses and so forth. And Deborah, thank you for joining us. We're honored to have you with us on the Spirited Advocate podcast. Uh, thank for- you. First, let me just say, how you doing? I mean, you've been flying off the seat of your pants over the past year. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just telling us how you got here, and uh, we look forward to the discussion. Sure. Yeah. So I, you know, um, I am new to the spirits industry, although I have my career, except for um, right out of college, I was in the military. But after that, um, I've been in kind of consumer packaged goods my whole career. So at places like Kraft and uh, Nestle, Mars, PepsiCo, um, what am I forgetting? Reynolds. Um, So everything from food to beverages, pet food, um, tobacco, So a lot of different uh, consumer products. And then um, I left Reynolds back in 2017 um, as a CEO when uh, British American Tobacco bought us. So then I did some board work and I've worked in a number, once again, mostly kind of packaged goods or certainly consumer products, um, Stanley Black & Decker, Mondelez, Newell Brands, and Diageo. So that's when Diageo comes into the picture. I actually started on the board and um, so got to know the company and the people a little bit. And when Deirdre, um, I was on the board about a year and Deirdre was looking at retiring. And so Ivan and Javier asked me if I was willing to come back, give up the private equity gig and some boards and um, come back to work full time. And I jumped at the chance. It's a great industry, great company, love the people. So um, that's how I got here. Pretty exciting. And uh, you are a fellow. Texan, uh, like myself. And uh, if I remember right, you were in the Air Force. I'm an Air Force brat as well. Uh, Army. 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 Okay. Okay. Got it. Forgive me. Uh, (laughs) I should be ashamed of myself. So how has that that military experience uh, guided you in your career? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I don't know if it's just probably, you know, one of those first jobs out of college or just the intensity of the experience. But I will say the military has been a big influence on just how I think about a lot of things. Um, And by the way, you're probably thinking my husband was an Air Force brat. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. Um, And actually, my dad was in the Marine Corps. So I don't know, there's something about, I think, service a lot of times families, I think you just, you grow up with it. And so that's something you feel like you want to do. And, And for me, it was the Army. I was a military intelligence officer, Um, you know, and like I said, it has influenced me through so many things. I think, you know, especially in the past year where, you know, you're dealing in uncertain environments and yet you, you have a mission, you need to get it done. You need to take care of the team, you know, so it, it still applies. (laughs) Um, Great guide for you. Great guide. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, one of the things uh, which I think you're aware uh, with responsibility.org, uh, we're embarking on trying to help our veterans community and military community, emergency responders and all of the above uh, related to responsibility. Uh, and we thank uh, Diageo's leadership and your commitment to responsibility.org. If I recall right, I think it was in June of 20. 2020, we had Deirdre, Deirdre, as you know, mm-hmm. served as chair of Discus. We had Deirdre do a podcast right before she, uh, right before she uh, decided to retire. Uh, I mean, you've had to come into this role with the pandemic and all yeah. the challenges and, and, and uncertainties and the scary times. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, what's that been like? Yeah, I mean, it's been, look, you know, it's been in many ways, um, you know, I always say this past year, it has seemed on one hand, it seems like it's been an eternity. I feel like I've been at Diageo for years. Um, on the other hand, you you start to talk and you just realize um, how quickly the year has gone as well, just because I think we've been dealing with so many things. I, you know, the things I'm most proud of, I think the team has really been terrific. We just finished celebrating our the end of our fiscal year, and I couldn't be more proud of the team. Um, the way, you know, just the resilience and the grit that people have shown, the, the grace and empathy toward each other and making sure that, you know, as everyone had to deal with all of this, you know, for both personally and at work, all of the challenges, um, people have shown up for each other. And I just think it's that sense of family and team. Um, so I couldn't be more proud of the team. You know, the results have been great. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm particularly proud, frankly, of some of the innovation that we've launched this year. I kind of thought at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe consumers would would just sort of retract into what they know and the comfort of brands and things that they know. But actually, we've we've had some really great results on some of the innovation that we've launched this year. Um, even some of the LTOs like Smirnoff Pink Lemonade and um, Ciroc Summer Citrus, these have been some of the best LTOs we've launched on those brands in a long time. Bailey's Deliciously Light. Um, everyone needs that in the pandemic. <laughs> um, we had a lot of Bailey's desserts. So, um, you know, some of those have been really great. And then I, I've also been really, you know, Ivan and I've been chatting a lot lately just with the end of the year. And um, I was really happy to see Diageo continue to invest in the business. You know, a lot of companies kind of pulled back a little bit um, in that uncertainty. And so the fact that we put in things like the Diageo Collaboration Center and invested in um, some new lines and um, you know, you would have seen with our results, you know, we, we invested a lot in A&P. So we've continued to invest there. We've invested with our community partners, um, some of which have had a really tough time. So um, it's just been great to, to see the company continue to um, invest. Totally. Uh, we, you know, Diageo's collaboration with the, the on-premise retail tier during this time, uh, tough times in the bartender community. I mean, what's amazing, and it was proof in your results, you know, uh, the resiliency that the business had to navigate uh, inspired greater innovation than ever, right? Uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, the ready-to-drink market, I mean, this is a unique phenomenon that is happening within the industry. Uh, could you elaborate on your thoughts on the ready-to-drink market and the possibilities for Diageo? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're very excited about it. I mean, you would have seen, we we actually acquired a couple of businesses. We acquired Loyal Nine, um, which is a spirit-based 
um, cocktail and then Lone River Ranch Water, which is, um, you know, more in our uh, beer company. Um, but, you know, look, we look at convenience kind of across the board. Um, you know, for us, we look alcohol is alcohol. So it's all in convenient forms. Um, and by the way, we really thank, you know, Discus for working with us on, you know, trying to get equivalency across all of these areas as well. Um, whether there's it's cocktail or malt-based, um, we've got it all and we'd like to see more equivalency across the portfolio. But, um, but no, we're very excited about that. I think um, it's one of the trends that from a consumer standpoint, this trend for convenience, I think is here to stay. It was there pre-COVID, certainly during COVID, um, you know, it, it has stayed around and really accelerated. Um, so we're excited about the possibilities there. Yeah, the, the, certainly the pandemic has accelerated the demand for convenience, e-commerce, and all of the above. And it has created uh, certainly uh, some great opportunities for the industry, but also some anxieties as well, because uh, we always want to stay focused on our commitment to responsibility and so forth. But uh, as you all just recently announced your results, uh, if you could hit just top line, I mean, the North American business uh, fired up on all cylinders. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, no, actually, Diageo globally, um, you know, really did well. I mean, we had, you know, it was it was tough when the pandemic first started. So our fiscal year at the end of fiscal 20 was really um, you know, we had some, some tougher results and, but this year I've shown a really nice recovery as, as a group. We were up 16% in organic growth. Um, North America, as you said, did really well. We were up 20%. Um, U.S. spirits was up 24%. Um, so really a good recovery. We saw a very strong recovery of on-premise, um, towards the end of the year or, or the, the end of the fiscal year. So, um, so yeah, great results. Tequila continues to lead the way. Tequila very hot on for fire, us. Uh, right on fire. Plus eighty seven percent. But even big brands like Crown, um, I think Crown was up like thirteen percent. Johnny Walker um, was up eighteen percent. Bailey's up thirty one percent. So oh, you know, so even some of our our real core brands um, as well, uh, you know, had a very good good year for fiscal twenty one. And as you know, I mean, it's been a tough time for uh, the on-premise, certainly with Diageo's strong support and Discus, of course, we've made a lot of progress with cocktails to go and so forth. But, you know, as we're seeing a little bit of a pullback with some of the challenges related to the pandemic and the Delta variant and so forth, uh, what do you anticipate? uh, uh, How's the on-premise going to bounce back, I guess, ultimately? Uh, hopefully, you know, a couple of months ago, we were seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with the pandemic, and we've kind of hit a bump in the road, obviously. Uh, your thoughts on that? We're, of course, very hopeful that um, that through this, we've been able to navigate it, um, you know, whatever's been thrown our way. Um, certainly, you know, I know our, our hospitality partners are doing everything they can um, to make sure that, you know, as, as people go out, they feel safe and, um, you know, are, are following everything they need to do to, to, to get people back out there. So, um, you know, we're doing everything we can to, you know, to partner with, with who we can on this, but it is sort of hard to predict, you know, where this thing is going next. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Terrace, uh, you know, as you know, Deborah, our whole industry has navigated the challenges related to the tariffs. Uh, we've gotten a reprieve, and, and thanks to the Biden administration and its efforts to reset the relationship 
with both the EU and the UK. Uh, as you are well aware, we're still holding on to tariffs uh, related to American whiskey, and uh, the whole industry is aligned to get us all back to zero for zero. But could you elaborate on that? I, I know Diageo has played a leadership role from an advocacy perspective, uh, both in the UK and around the world on uh, eliminating trade barriers and the critical importance for like, yeah. like bullets oh, and others. Look, get away Chris, you're saying, you've, you've said it well. And first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, just say we really thank you, um, you know, you specifically in Discus broadly working with the Scotch Whiskey Association. Um, you know, look, global trade's at the heart of this industry. And, you know, for us, we sell, um, let me get this stat right. It's seven bottles of Johnny Walker every second in 180 countries, you know, across 180 countries. So, you know, when you think about that, just, you know, this is a global business. And so global trade means a lot to us. And, um, and, you know, it's just frustrating because we've gotten tied up in something that had nothing to do, you know, with beverage alcohol. And so we were quite pleased to see progress um, made with the aerospace, you know, dispute. And I, I do really feel like this administration, you know, we're seeing real earnest and kind of positive effort for the first time, I think, in a, you know, in a while toward getting that back to zero. But yeah, I mean, we're we're really committed in this area, and like I said, I you know, Discus plays a really important role um, for all of us in, in in helping us come together to try to um, tackle um, this tariff issue because we really do need to get it back to zero. We we well, thank you, and thanks for the support of our member companies, and we're cautiously optimistic uh, that we can get ourselves back to zero for zero here in the next few months certainly addressing the steel and aluminum uh, trade dispute uh, and getting getting the tariffs off American whiskey. And then uh, we'll get back to those great exports of American whiskey in due course. So Women's Equality Day, I didn't know this, but uh, Women's Equality Day, I should know this, is coming up. And it commemorates the 1920 adoption of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. A hundred years later, we're working on equality, obviously. Uh, your thoughts, I mean, as being a senior executive in the in the beverage alcohol industry and in the distilled spirits industry, uh, can you elaborate on your thoughts on, on the opportunities for our industry as it relates to uh, uh, women equality, obviously diversity, equity, inclusion is a big component that every everything that we're trying to do to uh, uphold great leadership on. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm quite proud of what Diageo has done in this space. And, um, and actually, I'm quite proud to say our, from a Diageo board standpoint, we're majority women now. Um, actually, my oh, leadership team in North that's America. Why, that's why the results are so good, probably, in support of either, of course. <laughs> <laughs> in North America, my team also, five out of nine, um, also women. So, um, and look, and that's not an accident. I mean, I, you know, I, and, and look, Diageo has been on this journey well before I, um, you know, have been involved with the company. And it, it was very intentional. Um, you know, this was cited as one of the their 2020 goals, actually. And now we've got an even bolder goal for 2030. We're looking for 50% representation in leadership broadly, globally. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're serious about that. And I think you do have to be intentional. I think it is about, um, you know, businesses 
perform to targets. And so I think there are some targets, things that you need to do on, you know, making sure it's not just in representation, but in how you um, diversify your spend. So making sure in your supplier diversity programs, making sure in the community things that we do, that the beneficiaries also fall on, you know, women-owned businesses um, and, you know, ensuring in that area, you know, we spend a lot of money also in marketing and in that money, making sure that we do things like progressive portrayal. Um, we're doing this not only gender, but we've also really broadened these goals for ethnic diversity as well. And not just U.S., because a lot of companies are now doing this in the U.S., but we're thinking about this globally and how do we do this globally. Um, so, yeah, so we're, you know, I think Diageo's been um, serious about this. There's, you know, there's so many studies out there now um, to your point on performance. Inclusive and diverse companies perform better. Um, there's a lot of facts behind that. I've been at a lot of companies myself. I truly believe that. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm happy to say Diageo really believes in that too. And, you know, we're taking intentional efforts to, to try to diversify the industry more. Totally. Leading by example. And I'm pleased to say six of my leadership team are strong, highly talented, willed women, and they keep me in check and support me and uh, have such unique leadership skills. And it's true. Diversity does improve the performance of organizations, right? Diversity of thought, diversity of people and experiences and so forth. And Deborah, I know responsibility has always been to the core of everything that Diageo does. Could you elaborate on, on your thoughts on responsibility and the importance of those convictions? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of those areas. It's it's um, this is also probably a military saying too. I mean, you know, they always say with privilege comes responsibility, and if you don't take responsibility, you lose the privilege. Um, and I do think, you know, we do have, um, you know, as an industry, um, you know, really, we all have to take this very seriously. I've I've certainly been parts of other industries where one bad actor or one bad player can really, um, you know, mess it up for everybody. And, um, and so we do take this very seriously. We're, you know, we're of course involved with you um, as well on responsibility, um, you know.org. And, um, you know, as part of our 2030 goals that I mentioned earlier on diversity, we've got three pillars. One is sustainability, one is in this inclusion and diversity. The third pillar is what we call positive drinking. And um, we've got some big goals against that. We look to reach 1 billion um, people with dedicated messages of moderation. Um, and we're doing this through things like, um, you know, very visible things like our biggest, one of our biggest ads this year on Crown Royal was Water Break. <laughs> so if you watch sports, you probably saw the ad, it had Great Kevin day. Garnett. Um, the whole ad was really about him taking, a, you know, a water break. And so we're doing that also with Captain Morgan. Um, and you're going to see more efforts in that area from us. So, you know, the moderation is a big message for us with responsibility.org. There's a lot we try to do around education, drink IQs on every single one of our bottles, every single one of our experience centers. Um, we do things to try to, um, you know, educate consumers, help people make informed choices, dispel myths. Um, you know, so we think that's hugely important to everything that we do. It is, and certainly Diageo leads by example, and it's a community effort, and thanks to the leadership of Diageo on responsible consumption, traffic safety is another key comp component, Absolutely. and I know Diageo is committed to this, not only in the United States, but around the world in everything that you do, so 
Thank you for that. Uh, now we're going to go uh, to the, just the, the fire drill round questions. And if I may, uh, uh, one question that I invoked in the last uh, podcast that we did, are you a thrill of victory person or an agony of defeat? I picked this up on another podcast. It's really mm-hmm. interesting, right? So in other words, uh, is it the thrill of victory that, that, that allows you to thrive or is it when you're faced with challenges? You know, each person is different. Yeah. Um, would you mind? I know that's a little bit of a curveball question, but well, you know, it's interesting. I am an optimist by nature. So you will in in the worst day when you give me the worst news, I will likely say, oh, but, you know, the opportunity. In this is, so um, I, I am probably a thrill of victory, but I have to admit there is a paranoid side to my brain that I, I am always thinking about what what could happen bad here. And, and so um, I probably am trying to avoid that agony of defeat. Yeah. And as an executive, you got to prepare for everything, right? Because uh, you're going to get curveballs every day of the week and have exciting moments like uh, the, the results announcement, right? Absolutely. So, okay. And if you could be anywhere in the world with you and your family or however, where would be that one place you'd have a cocktail? And then, of course, what cocktail would you pick? So I, so first of all, I really miss international travel. So I think I'm going to pick Barcelona is going to be my location. I think um, there's, there's a lot of choices. I think that would be my choice. And then to drink, this is going to be oddly specific. <laughs> um, Don Julio, 1942. Not and it's like a double old fashioned glass over a big ice cube. Check that out. Now, th- hey, everybody, we're dealing with the professional. Uh, that is very good. So, well, thank you for sharing that, Deborah. And look, on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council and Responsibility.org, uh, congratulations on your early success. And, uh, you know, our job is really be an advocate for our great companies and our great industry. And it is a privilege to have you serve on the board of directors and be a guide for us and uh, really uphold uh, Diageo's leadership in the public policy and the responsibility category. And I've got, I've got with me, I've got uh, Johnny Walker blue label right here, uh, which is awesome. And uh, you know, it is a privilege for us to represent uh, what a great staple of brands and uh, a great company. So thank you for your leadership. And we appreciate you joining us for the Spirited Advocate podcast. Thank you, Chris. And thanks to Discus for everything that you do. Um, You certainly make our industry better um, and help bring us together. So thank you. Thank you. The Spirited Advocate podcast was brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. If you'd like to be a guest speaker on the show, or send us topic suggestions to cover, please contact us at podcast at distilledspirits.org. And please like and share these episodes. Your support is very appreciated.